From the American Tobacco Historic District in downtown Durham, this is Due South on WUNC. I'm Leonida Inge. Guess what? Southern accents are fading, y'all. We'll talk with a linguistics professor in Georgia about why our twang is dulling. And that's not the only thing changing about the South. Who is Southern is shifting. It turns out the Asian American population is growing faster here than anywhere else. We'll look at the reasons why later in the program. But first, in June of this year, the City Council of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, enacted an ordinance banning public indecency. The ordinance listed several examples of what public indecency might entail, including lewd acts and nudity. Another example was indecent sexual conduct. On its face, the ordinance may not seem like anything out of the ordinary, but a separate section of the city code has included homosexuality in its definition of indecent sexual conduct since 1977. And that definition has been used to target LGBTQ public gatherings and even library texts depicting homosexuality in 2023. The city code has since been updated to remove homosexuality from its definition of indecent conduct, but the impact of the ordinance on Murfreesboro's LGBTQ community continues. I'm here with Aaron Reed, an independent journalist and content creator who's been covering this story since June. Aaron, welcome to Do South. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. You know, before we get into the ordinance itself, why don't you tell me um, a little bit about Murfreesboro? You know, isn't an especially conservative town? Uh, n- not actually. So to the northeast of Nashville, Tennessee, Murfreesboro, Tennessee is a suburban town. It's a college town, actually, believe it or not. And they actually have a long history of throwing pride parades and celebrating the LGBTQ community. That said, Tennessee has been very locked into recent culture wars around LGBTQ people. And in a recent ordinance, um, the community was heavily targeted, including books and and their local pride parade. Was that surprising then? You know, for for myself, as somebody that's been tracking these laws and all of these uh, ordinances around the United States... Not really. You know, in the last four years, we have seen an increasing vilification of the LGBTQ community and an increasing willingness to try to drive LGBTQ representation underground or to try to shut it out from the public community. And while at first they focused on things like drag and such, they're increasingly focusing on shutting down pride parades, books, um, even in public libraries and more. You know, it's also worth noting that the state of Tennessee, you know, has enacted at least 13 laws that restrict LGBTQ rights since 2015, the most of any in the nation in that time frame, according to the Washington Post. So um, can you tell us a little bit about how is this kind of spilling over, um, you know, to the whole state of Tennessee? Yeah. So in Tennessee, it's important to note that the very first bill that was proposed of 2023, SB1 slash HB1, so that means the very, it's the first numbered bill because it's the first one that got proposed, um, targeted gender affirming care for trans people and actually sought to criminalize parents who got gender affirming care. 
And so, yeah, we are seeing the spillover, not just in Tennessee, but throughout the United States South, as well as any place that has a Republican supermajority in the United States. Uh, these bills range from targeting LGBTQ people in schools and libraries to banning gender affirming care for trans people to firing teachers who discuss LGBTQ topics. Um, we've seen bans on public drag, on pride parades, and in Murfreesboro's case, on public homosexuality. Well, um, when I think of the, the the community decency standards or ordinance that was, you know, implemented not too long ago, you know, I wonder what are some, can you tell us some of the, the goals um, of that ordinance? Yes. So increasingly, um, the people who have been proposing these ordinances and the organizations behind them, so we're talking about the Alliance Defending Freedom, the uh, Family Policy Alliance, the Heritage Foundation, they have increasingly described LGBTQ people as dangerous for the public, for, dangerous for children to be exposed to, um, and generally obscene. And so we see, uh, for instance, the Heritage Foundation's Project 2025, which was just released, uh, which outlines their goals for the next two years. And in this document that was released that outlines these goals, the, the ultimate goal is to define LGBTQ people as obscene, to remove our presence in online spaces, to remove our presence in public. So these bills are basically the enactment of that project, the enactment of the attempt to shut LGBTQ people out of public life. And this is especially concerning given that increasingly LGBTQ people have been feeling safer to be in public. We have started coming out more. We are your neighbors, your coworkers, your family. Um, so this has had a disproportionate and heavy impact on the community. Yeah, it makes me think about, you know, the proof that many of these organizations have you know, you know, to actually support the argument, you know, that that's being made by them. And I guess if there aren't, I guess, these incidents and numbers on record, you know, like, how does some of this even go as far as it has? Of course. And I won't lie in saying that the scare campaign has been somewhat successful among the far right. And while these attempts have not made their way into um, states with split legislatures or Democratic-controlled states. In Republican-controlled states, it has gripped the party. Uh, we do know from polling that these policies are not popular. Um, we know, for instance, that uh, recent polls taken on whether or not people prioritize LGBTQ exclusion uh, show that maybe only 1% of all of the American public identify this as a policy priority, regardless of whether they support it or not. And especially whenever it comes to obscenity laws and drag bans, I think that's why we've seen such a public outcry to the Murfreesboro Ordinance. That being said, um, we've seen whenever Republican legislators attempt to vote against these laws, they get targeted by right-wing media personalities like Matt Walsh, lives a TikTok, these same organizations, by the way, these same influencers that have led vocal campaigns that have resulted in bomb threats to children's hospitals or to schools, elementary schools. So it's it's rather frightening to see, um, but it has been successful among the far right. 
So t- tell me about some of the penalties, um, you know, um, for those who engage in what it lists as indecent behavior here. You know, what happens? Of course. So um, the old the old penalties that are, you know, that, that were in code in Murfreesboro specified actual jail time potentially. Um, and the newer penalties not only targeted the LGBTQ people, it also targeted anybody that put on the events. So we're talking librarians. Um, and actually one of the most vocal groups of people against these laws in Tennessee have been the librarians, especially in Murfreesboro. Um, so for instance, one portion of the law uh, stated that if a librarian held a event where a drag queen read to people in the library, um, we're talking, you know, fully clothed, sitting down, reading a book. Uh, if a librarian did that, they could be potentially charged with misuse of public funds for promoting obscenity. And this is not the first time we've seen this. We actually have seen this all across the United States where they are threatening to arrest librarians if they have LGBTQ books in their um, in their facilities. And likewise, we've seen organizations like Moms for Liberty go into libraries and charge books as being obscene, taking books to the local police station, which we just saw in Florida, for instance, uh, claiming that a librarian was promoting obscenity for having a young adult novel that was very commonly read. I think it was Fire and Blood or something like that. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we have seen very hefty penalties, including potentially shutting down of the local library. Well, you know, this is, you know, we know this is bigger than just Murfreesboro, the Murfreesboro Ordinance and um, anti-LGBTQ legislation. You know, it goes beyond, we know, Tennessee and that the ACLU is um, is currently mapping um, many bills across the United States. You know, what um, what's the, I guess, really, a lot of reporters don't report on this, actually. And what, what makes you be so involved in this topic? You know, I think that one thing that we've seen in recent years, completely separate from the LGBTQ issue, is that local journalism is struggling right now for a variety of reasons. There are very strong market forces and national conglomerates that have made it hard for local journalism to successfully operate. And so often these bills that are thriving in very far-right communities and being pushed by far-right politicians in local uh, cities don't often get noticed. And even if even if you do have local journalists that are on the ground in these communities, a lot of times they won't be LGBTQ themselves. And so they might not recognize that this prohibited conduct law actually references an old vague ordinance that targets homosexuality. Um, and so I think that for me, I have found a space where I can keep up with these laws, where I've developed a network of people that can let me know whenever these kinds of things come up. And let me tell you, you're right. It has been very prevalent in recent years. We've seen just this year, 550 laws around the United States targeting the LGBTQ community in, you know, a dozen different ways. Well, Aaron Reed, an independent journalist and content creator who's been covering a very important topic, um, thank you for your time and for being on Do South. Of course, thank you so much for having me on.